So the title I came up for this one is XXYYXXU. Nice. With an umlaut. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was wondering. I couldn't really nice. think of anything else. I approve. Dominic approved. It's Dominic <laughs> approved. XXYYXXU. Wait, ha- where's the U come from? Jack U. The third song. Oh, by shit. The Did I listen? Jack U. What? You fu- Wait, what? Oh, shit. Wait, what songs did you prepare for? The user generates 16.5. Yeah. So there's Charles Ives, The Antlers, Jack U, XXYYXX, and Titus Andronicus. <laughs> okay, wait a second. On the playlist on YouTube, the third song is a Skrillex and Diplo song. Yes. So That's it. Their group together As, is called okay. Jack U. I just gave away all my street cred for okay. pop electronic music. We, we I can, had no idea. We can cut that out. Okay. No, leave it, man. Okay. Leave it raw. Keep it raw. Keep it, keep it, raw. it real. Wait, yeah. so they... Okay. So Skrillex and Diplo started a group together wow. called Jack U. Okay. The word Jack and then an uppercase letter U, U with an umlaut over it. So I don't know how you... How do you pronounce a standalone U with an umlaut over it? Is it ooh? Like, I, I don't know. It's probably something like Jack Oo. Jack Oo. So. Okay, that's th- good to know. Man. <laughs> For a second, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> did you like do a different five songs? And for a second, I was like, Skrillex and Diplo worked yeah. on that. Okay, all right, all right. So, XXYXX Oo. Nice. So. Now it makes a lot more sense, I'll be honest. At first, I thought you were just tripping out. Being. Okay, so hello and welcome to our volume two of the listener-generated playlist. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that you, the listener, picked out that we will be discussing in this week's episode. There will be links to Spotify and YouTube playlists in the description for this episode. Now, I, I made a liar out of myself. Per usual. Yeah. Come on, Jerry. I, uh... Last week, I erroneously declared that there would be no more Kanye news. <laughs> and then a bunch of shit happened involving Kanye. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I, I am bringing it back from the dead. We're cutting out the wing hut. So this is... So we're cutting out the wing no, there's, hut? I even scheduled it. There's still time for wing hut. <laughs> all right, all right. So here the, is... Put the corner before the hut? The... <laughs> yes. The zombified Kanye News Corner. Nice. Back nice, from the dead. Nice. So I want to start with the the sub segment called Yechella. I, I bet you can guess what it might be about. Coachella, but I actually didn't catch any Kanye news. So he didn't perform there at all, but he <laughs> appeared with three different people. Paul McCartney? Yes. What? It was oh, all three yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. So for the first, his first appearance is ASAP Rocky brought him out and they actually performed Father Stretch My Hands Part 1 together. I guess it was a total shit show though. Like Kanye's mic cut it in and out for like half the song. And and then, so speaking of Jack U, <laughs> Skrillex slash Diplo, the same night they began to during their DJ set play Power by Kanye hmm. and Diplo brought Kanye out 
I, I have no idea what this was about. So Kanye <laughs> comes out. He has a microphone in his hand. And, like, for 20 seconds, he just kind of stares at the crowd. He tries to, like, start to get them to clap. And he has yeah. a microphone in his hand. And twice, Diplo comes up and says, like, ladies and gentlemen, Kanye. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Kanye. And after about 20 seconds, he just walks off stage. Doesn't really? say that a was... fucking thing. <laughs> I, I, he was their hype man I, for 20 seconds. I... Wow. And the whole time power is playing and he's just looking really serious. I don't think crowd. he knows the words to his old songs. I've seen him live. I'm sure it's like <laughs> in and out. He just knows like five words randomly throughout the song. Power. <laughs> Our. My guess is that when he came out, he was hoping the mic would be cut off, malfunctioning. And when he realized it was working, he freaked out. <laughs> and his third appearance was actually backstage there is a video that i think asap no taco taco from odd future snapchatted a video of tyler the creator and kanye racing they like do like a little like 50 yard dash sprint yeah Uh, tyler wins and kanye blames that someone was in his way otherwise he would have (laughs) won Did he say anything about are Tyler and Kanye like friends? It seems that way. Yeah. I I mean I know. I wonder what he thinks of his. I color. know that uh, after Tyler, oh no, maybe I'm thinking of Frank. I know like after Our Future got big, Kanye and Jay Z had kind of like talked to the Wolfgang Odd Future group about collaborating, and they were like, "No, we want to do this on our own. Like mm-hmm. we don't." want your handouts like no offense yeah yeah yeah. but after tyler did his rapping over freestyle four kanye liked it i know so nice yeah, oh yeah. and right before right before life of pablo dropped tyler did like an impromptu photo shoot with kanye and i remember kanye tweeted one of the photos saying should this be the cover of the next Rolling Stone magazine? <laughs> yes or no is like a Twitter poll question. Uh-huh, so I, I, uh-huh. I guess they must be hanging out. Nice. And I know Frank was on Jay-Z and Kanye's, what's what's the name of that group? Watch the Throne. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So that's Yechella. Kind Ye-chella. of weird. And so now that he's done tinkering with the life of Pablo, Kanye has moved on to tinkering with older works of his. Uh, fans have noticed that he has been slightly altering some tracks off of Yeezus and re-uploading it to Apple and iTunes. And just to be clear, is it replacing completely the original track? At or there's least two tracks? on Apple Music, yes. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'm sure other facets that still distribute the MP3, as so far as I know, they're not changed. I yeah. don't know if Spotify's changed, and obviously, if you know, you own the CD or the the vinyl. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he, gonna come and get them, man. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. That seems like a very weird, like legal gray area, which I know yeah. is another big deal coming up. Yeah. Oh, well, and and the changes he made seem really oddly minor, like. And again, like, he hasn't, like, made an official statement about this. This has been fans who have noticed it. Yeah. He, like, added more distortion to some of his vocals in the song Black Skinhead. 
and he removed some of the backing instrumentation in the song Send It Up. Hmm. So far, that's all anybody's noticed. Hmm. But yeah, so what, what you were just alluding to, uh, Kanye and Tidal are currently being sued for allegedly deceiving fans into subscribing <laughs> to what was being billed as quote, the only place they would be able to hear the life of Pablo, end quote. Yeah. The lawsuit is filed by uh, a guy named Justin Bakerette, and he claims that millions of people signed up for Tidal because Wes promised it would be exclu- the only, like the most exclusive place to hear it. It wouldn't be heard anywhere else. And obviously we know now it's mm-hmm. uh, Apple, Spotify, everywhere. everywhere. And uh, Justin is requesting that a judge force Tidal to delete all the data on the users who subscribe to Hear the Life of Pablo and argues that the new subscribers and the information could probably be worth up to $84 million to the company. Wow. So I've I've yet to hear a statement from Jay-Z or Tidal or Kanye or any of the representatives, but that's that's what I know Have you heard how Jay-Z is suing the previous owners of Tidal? For falsely advertising how much it was worth, so it's like I didn't even know. I didn't even know that. So he bought it. I I thought yep. he started Title. I think he like. I don't know if it was technically called Title. We I mean we can fact check this, but there was some uh, streaming service that was originally what it, what, what Title is, is now, now. Okay. and they were like trying to sell this to you know be you know rich celebrities and. And now Jay-Z is suing them for falsely advertising, like, how much stock it's worth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, t- so, man, it's a real Tidal's shit show. Title's such a shit show. <laughs> and no one uses it anyway. Like, how can all this drama be... I don't know a single person. Who has a title you, subscription. Yeah, I don't know a single person. I don't know. Everyone I know has Spotify. Yeah. I know a lot of people used... Uh, radio, radio. Oh, yeah. But I yeah, think that yeah. service has since shut down. Yeah. I know some people use Google Play, but it's mostly Spotify. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I guess in some more lighter news, since everyone's been waiting for a music video to drop from the life of Pablo and Connie doesn't seem to deliver, Aziz Ansari and Eric Wareheim <laughs> have stepped up to the plate and released a video on YouTube which is titled Official Kanye West Famous Music Video. It's a good title. Which de- uh, depicts them in their personas, Lil Bud and Big Bud, mm-hmm. gallivanting around Italy, eating fine foods, and humping cars. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, I've been following, I follow both of them on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure they just like cobble this together in like an hour based I'm sure on they all did. the old footage they've been doing, but it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I was curious as to why they were in Italy. Like, was it simply a vacation? Were they shooting New Master of None? Or is this little Bud Big Bud thing actually becoming a real show, I wonder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that quote-unquote pilot surfaced, right. and I think it. Right, I right. think it's Adult Swim affiliated. I'm not positive about that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, I don't know. I know that Aziz... I know that for some reason he like just happens to love Italy and he like goes there as a tourist like as often as he can. Sure. And I think he's filming part of that second season. Master and none. In Italy too. That may, that I would make think, sense cuz like I, think, yeah. I I hate the word foodie, 
Yeah. But if someone deserves the title of foodie, it's Aziz. Yeah. Like, he seriously goes out of his way to eat very fine foods. Yeah. And no, what better place in Italy? True. As someone who has very, like, undeveloped taste buds, it's almost enough to make me unfollow him on Instagram. But I like him too much. Yeah. I like him too much. But, yeah, he's a foodie. Just so darn likable. <laughs> And I guess in our last bit of zombie Kanye news corner news, it's a little redundant, I guess, news corner news, uh, bootleg copies of The Life of Pablo were showing up at some record stores on Record Store Day 2016. Did you hear about this at no, all? No, no, no. Yeah, so in, I, I don't know how many, but there there's a label that is identifying themselves as hashtag title for all. <laughs> and they, I don't know if like the record stores were in on it, but there were vinyl and CD copies of Life of Pablo on clear vinyl and slightly altered album artwork for sale. Huh. People bought it, and it is this. It's the music. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the vinyl copy isn't pressed from a master it's pressed from like an mp3 so it probably doesn't have like the most high fidelity of playback but they've symbolic they've since been like shut down i think representatives from def jam like (laughs) confiscated all the copies that weren't purchased already yeah yeah Anyway, uh, let's move on to Wing Hut. What do you got? Oh, it's a big week in Wing Hut. It's a big. We're gonna need two huts. Everyone, get your wing two your Wing huts. Hut hats on. I don't know if you heard, but Paul McCartney is gonna be one of the headliners at Coachella. Right? I did hear that. Him and Bob Dylan, oh. Rolling Stones, all the old fogies. Maybe they're gonna bring the wings back. I'm not sure, but I'm hoping it's a farewell concert. You know what I mean? That could be really good for him. <laughs> Just you know, bring him out I on feel a good like, note. I feel like a little bit of real Dominic just broke <laughs> out right there. I, I mean, because if it's a farewell show for Paul McCartney, then he has nothing else to do but wings. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. What if he gets sucked back into the audio emoji world? Oh, yeah, true. He can do that with wings. He could make wings <laughs> audio emojis. Bring the wings back. Come on. Bring them back. Hashtag bring the wings back. Bring the wings back. Who's Hash- excited about that Coachella? That's like every like dad over the age of 50 is like ahead of the California. Yeah, right Dylan, now. Stones, Paul. Damn. Gonna get a hologram of Jimi Hendrix. Are all these like old dads <laughs> gonna like go do acid and wear Indian headdresses like all the <laughs> other Coachella goers? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. But that's that's the big wing hunt. News. That's it for wing hunt. That's the big wing hunt news. All right, everyone, take your wing hunt hats off. We're keeping our fingers crossed. Paul's last show, so we can come back, <laughs> fly Paul's on the wings of wings. Show. Come on, end it. All right. <laughs> so in other music news, uh, we have some exciting uh, releases coming up soon. Uh, Radiohead allegedly have an album dropping in June. Grizzly Bear are hitting the studio next month to finally follow up their 2012 album, nice. Shields. 
And Death Grips has finally announced that Bottomless Pit, their new album after their alleged last album ever, will be out May 6th digitally with final and CD pre-orders going up that same day. Nice, nice, nice. And I hear they put on quite a Coachella performance as well. Yeah. They actually showed up for the show. <laughs> Surprising, I know. Nice. So did you hear about Jack White's latest investment? Ah, I, I think I saw, I can't remember. I saw some headline about this. Very random. So Jack White has invested in a company called Warstick, which is an independent sporting goods company that specifically makes wooden metal baseball and softball bats. Huh. He's been quoted saying, most baseball bats and equipment in the sports world do not impress me much. But I think there's a lot of room to explore aesthetic <laughs> ideas in just baseball alone that can bring beauty and purpose to the weapon that athletes use to accomplish their goals. Is he joking? I don't think so. Like, I do know. Wow. He wow. is a. Uh, he's famously known. He's a huge baseball fan. Okay. I know okay. that he actually has his own, like, official rookie card. <laughs> and I know that he threw like the first pitch at one of the more recent world series okay. so he is an so he's, avid he's baseball enthusiast wow yeah so he found this craft artis artisanal baseball bat company and has put money into it wow Wow, that's a very niche crowd he's going for right there. A I gotta bit. say, oh my god, baseball—that's kind of like plummeted in popularity. So yeah, since the so, 1920s. But that's what it's missing. It's missing artisanal baseball bats. This is what's well, gonna bring it back. Yeah. It's gonna bring the great American pastime. Because it's all those hipsters that go to baseball games, and they're like, "Where are you? Fine, artisanal baseball bats." Huh? He's filling that void. Smart. Thanks, smart. Jack. <laughs> doing, doing the Lord's work. I hope he stops making music so we can really just buckle down on this uh, uh, you know, artisanal baseball bat. Game. You hear that, Jack? Put the guitar down, pick <laughs> the bat up. But don't use it, just make more bats. Yeah, make it really pretty. Sorry, pick up your bat-making tools, I guess is what I should have said. Aesthetic. I don't know, what is that, a, a block of wood and a whittling knife? How do you make a baseball bat? Yeah, they better be hand-whittling all these, otherwise I'll be... I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, have you heard about uh, all of these musicians and bands boycotting performing in North Carolina? Yep. Yeah, so uh, North Carolina recently passed a bill called the House Bill 2, which prohibits transgendered people from using bathrooms or locker rooms that do not match the biological sex listed on their birth certificate. Uh, I believe, like, uh, Bruce Springsteen some other people i can't think of anyone paul mccartney was really okay yeah many artists have been coming forward boycotting performing in the state as a way to protest this bill being passed actually i read a pretty good uh are you familiar with click hole oh yeah like the onion oh yeah yeah, yeah. you you take me in a huge fan so they they posted this article (laughs) saying that um off brand bug spray promises that their products will no longer work in the state of North Carolina <laughs> until the House Bill 2 <laughs> is redacted or yeah. whatever. Using their power. So while all of these artists are trying to make this stance about boycotting it uh, against me, famous acoustic punk 
group whose lead singer is actually a transgendered person. Her name is now Laura Jane Grace. Uh, she says that actually they will they will be performing in North Carolina as a form of protest. Oh. They're going to go out of their way to play there. So she was quoted saying, I'm going to create an event around the show as a form of protest to say that despite whatever stupid laws they enact, trans people are not going to be, and then she says, stopped. Nah. And they're not going to go away. And I don't know. I think it's kind of yeah. a cool Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I feel like half the people who are boycotting North Carolina just like didn't want to go there in the first place, and now they're like, "Hey, <laughs> I can go yeah, home for I, a weekend." <laughs> I, I'm I'm guessing, but I'm pretty sure like probably against me wasn't going to play a show there anymore. Yeah, now they're exactly. Like, they're yeah. beelining it there as yeah. for this. And then in our in our final piece of music news, it was kind of being speculated for a while, and now it is official. Axel Rose is uh, the new singer of ACDC. After a long, hard fight by the fans, finally. That's what we were We missing. finally get a win. <laughs> yeah. We finally get a win. After previous ACDC singer Brian Johnson was forced to quit the band due to impending permanent hearing loss, Axel has stepped up to take over the role as their frontman, as well as being the head frontman of the newly reunited Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So he's going to be... taking a lot on. It's a little be weird. busy. It's a little weird because, like, the lead singer, Brian Johnson, doesn't want to stop. He's, like, complaining every day. He's, like, screaming on the internet. Like, I don't want to stop playing with yeah. my friends. He actually made an official statement today. Like, I just read it, like, literally right before you came over here to record yeah. this. He's finally accepted the fact that he needs to step down for a he while. Did. He says in wow. no way does that mean he's going to stop making music. The doctors say he can still like record and put out music. Yeah. And he's going to do everything in his power to make it possible for him to perform live in the future. Wow. I think he kind of got snubbed a bit by the band. It's weird because the guitarist, Angus Young, who's... He doesn't even play anymore either. He like has like dementia or something. Allegedly, I should say. I'm Wait, sure. Angus Young? I, I I'm pretty sure we'll have to fact check it, but well, I'm pretty sure he stopped playing with the band like two years ago. Well, he, or someone, someone. Okay, maybe because Angus like, Young, like the famous lead guitarist at ACDC, the guy who always wears the little schoolboy. Yeah, and his outfit. pants fall off while he's playing guitar. I saw this shit. He live. actually performed with Guns N' Roses at he their did. Coachella set. Wow. Okay, I'll have to. So okay, then I must so, be wrong. I must be wrong. I, maybe, I was secretly, I was secretly relieved when I thought I read that though, because I saw ACDC live, and there's this like really old guy in a little schoolgirl uniform, and his pants fall off while he's playing, Angus. like to be funny, and he was a little creepy. I almost felt like I was being like assaulted. <laughs> You want to talk about it? Yeah, I kind of want to talk about it. So when I heard that he was quitting because he had dementia, which now must have been like a click hole article, I was like, it that makes be, a lot of sense. Or maybe, maybe it was like the rhythm guitarist. I think. But yeah, I, maybe I'm, it was rhythm I'm pretty guitarist. sure the lead a, guitarist yeah. is still like he. Angus. He Angus. is like essentially the front man of ACDC because like ACDC has gone through like what, three or yeah. four lead singers now. Angus Young is like the iconic member of the band yeah. at this point. Yeah. AC, yeah. AC, man. Fuck. So, what have you been listening to? 
I re-listened. Let me ask you this, not to put you on the spot, but it, I feel like a lot of people listen to David Bowie's album like a month after he died, and then people just stop. I stopped hearing about it. I'd never listened to it again. Did you? Li- have you been listening to it regularly? I'm guilty of like I listened to it, I loved it, and then I just totally forgot about well, it. Well, I guess I should say I'm not. I'm not the kind of person who it's like. Oh, it's that time of month. Better put this album on. Yeah. Like, I'm very much so like, oh, I want to listen to this. Yeah. I have listened to it, but I can't say, like, I've been, like, regularly yeah. listening to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But fair. I did listen to it, like, probably a month ago. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, for some reason, I just, like, stopped listening to it. Well, there's just, there's so much music. <laughs> yeah, true. But I, but it was weird because I said it was so incredibly good. And then I didn't even, like, make it a playlist on Spotify. It didn't even, but I re-listened to it. And lately, and it is incredibly good. I gotta say, it stands so far. It stands the test of time of two months. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> but it is amazing. That's an amazing, creepy, and beautiful album. But it's almost like creepy. It's like uh, otherworldly. Like, it's like he's halfway in the afterlife. It's, it's like he's showing <laughs> us something that we're not supposed to be yeah. seeing. Yeah. Like he's letting us in on a secret that we're not ready to know. Yeah, yet. that is the vibe of that. He's like a. 21st century prophet of death he's like they're already like telling us but it's good did you see that recently the i believe it was the guy who directed black star and lazarus released like a a lyric music video for i can't give it all away i just heard it i heard it was out but i didn't watch it yeah it's pretty good like it's more than just a lyric video there are visuals to it I'll post it along with this episode I definitely think it's worth watching it's kind of like it's a nice kind of like final addition to the the Black Star era yeah yeah Yeah, I'll have to check it out but yeah that amazing album that's probably still my favorite of the year of all the new album I mean young young year but it's not the life of Papa. <laughs> it's a real close. Oh, okay. I went for David Bowie to remix some. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I actually based off of what you brought up last week, because I, I realized that I had yet to listen to Bjork's Volnakira. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Initially when it was released it wasn't streamable at all. Yeah. And I just noticed today it is finally on Spotify. Yep. So actually this morning nice. I listened to it and damn, that that is an emotional album yeah, to it say is. the least. Yep. It's it's incredibly heartbreaking and beautiful and it you know, I, I, I read about it. I know that it documents kind of the ending of her relationship with Matthew Barnley. Yep. And it truly sounds like an album documenting the ending of a relationship. Yeah, it's heavy. I, I only heard it once like a week and a yeah. half ago when I first... But yeah, that's... Did you know that Arca like produced that whole album? I read that too, yeah, that they've collaborated multiple times. Yeah, and I guess yeah. her next album, she's like says like he's going to be even more so involved nice, with the nice. process yeah of it so that's, that's awesome. crazy yeah because i read that she did primarily because it's this album was also kind of a throwback to one of her older albums homogenic because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. of how much orchestration there was on it yeah and there was there was a lot of orchestration on the album she primarily scored all of the all of that and then 
Arca then came in and did his beep boops and glitches, <laughs> and it throws some beep boops. It goes on really there. well together. Yeah, I didn't know this until Bjork actually did the Song Explorer podcast. Oh, nice! I think she did it for the the first song on the album, Stone Milker. Yeah, there's actually an entire version of the album that is just her and us in the strings nothing else wow so there's two versions of the album and you know they both have their pros and cons yeah and and nice yeah her voice is one of the few strong enough that could probably <laughs> sound good just just an orchestra accompaniment nothing else damn oh i also saw recently someone on facebook posted this this old video from the early 90s of her and pj harvey doing a cover of I can't get no satisfaction. Wow. Like a really minimal. <laughs> like I think PJ Harvey's on guitar and she's doing most of the singing. Bjork's kind of backup vocals and I think she's playing some sort of synthesizer or something. Nice. nice. It's pretty I can't good actually. That. It's like really slow and kind of dirty sound. I don't yeah. know if that's a good way to put it, but. Kind yeah. of raw. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. It's good. And, it, and it's live. There's like a huge audience. I don't know if it was like a York show or a PJ Harvey show, but it was one of them. Yeah. She's got a new album out too. Yeah, she does. I just just see that. Yeah. Haven't heard it though. I have I. Because fuck music, dude. I hate music. Yeah, me too. It's terrible. It keeps coming out. That's what I don't like. There's more than enough. I can never hear it all. And they keep coming out with I, I made this podcast to just document how much I, I hate music. Look, Paul McCartney existed. He made some music, and now we're all done. It's all been downhill from there. <laughs> exactly, man. We, we peaked a long time ago. Folks. Exactly. Okay, with that, let's move on <laughs> to our first stupid song that we hate. <laughs> Fucking music, man. Luckily, this song was before Paul, so we were still on the uphill. Yeah, the pre-Paul. Yeah. This is a pre-Paul song. <laughs> Can we start every song we got to identify as pre-Paul? And post Paul. Paul. There's no song that's with Paul. Okay? Unless we're talking There's no Wings. Paul. Right. There's well, no there's Paul. Pre-Paul, Wings is the only Paul. Paul. Yeah. Even Beatles is pre Paul. Anything with Paul we don't categorize as music. Right? This is it's truth. Category. Yeah, truth. <laughs> I like that. Pre Paul, truth, post Paul. Yeah. So this pre Paul <laughs> song called The Unanswered Question by composed by charles ives submitted by amanda atkins johnson our longtime fan and listener and long time personal friend I, I first was, time caller actually she, this is second time caller uh, i'd say even more than that can't she, be three <laughs> she's she's kind of she's passed along some news stories to me uh. And she's submitted a song on the line. I would say this is at least her like fourth time calling. Wow. Technically fifth because she did recommend Five. a genre, but we haven't done it yet. I think she's doing more work than I am for this show. That's she is. Damn. She's actually co-produced. She's, she's the real. Wow. She's the real. Yeah. Dang. So yeah, Amanda Atkins Johnson submitted this song, "The <laughs> Unanswered, Unanswered Question" by Charles Ives, which was a musical work. Because it was kind of standalone from 1908. 1908, wow. Charles Edward Ives was an American modernist composer from Danbury, Connecticut. 
He is one of the first American composers of international renown. Though his music was largely ignored during his life, and many of his works went unperformed for many years. Mm. Though over time he came to be regarded as an American original. <laughs> he is known for combining the American church music of his youth with European art music, and was among the first com- one of the first composers to engage in a systematic program of experimental music, with musical techniques including polytonality, mm-hmm. polyrhythm, tone clusters, aleatoric elements, and quarter tones. An interesting fact, as well as being a composer, he was actually a very successful insurance agent. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that, that was actually his day wow. job for most of his life. Wow. During his career as an, an insurance agent, and he <laughs> he actually devised very creative ways to structure life insurance packages for people of means, which actually wow. laid the foundation for the modern practices of estate planning. Are you serious? Yeah, wow, he, he wrote amazing. a book in 1918 called Life Insurance with Relationship to Inheritance Tax. Wow. That was well-received and it actually achieved considerable fame and is now kind of like a uh, industry standard in the insurance world today. Wow. Well, yeah. P- Paul McCartney has written some books, so <laughs> it's not saying yeah, much. She's, this, was <laughs> a, this was a pre-Paul world. Yeah, it's a pre-Paul world. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so, but at the same time, sadly, he kind of had this Vincent Van Goghness of him where he wasn't really recognized as the artist he was until after he had passed on. He, uh, his music was largely ignored during his lifetime, particularly during the years in which he was actually actively composing. Mm -hmm. Many of his published works went unperformed even many years after his death, which was in 1954. And his musical experiments, including his increasing use of dissonance, were not well received by his contemporaries at the time. Hmm. And furthermore, he actually composed very difficult pieces. Many people found the pieces very difficult to perform and that the rhythmic complexities in his major orchestral works made them daunting challenges even decades after they were composed. Mm. Mm. Like, for example, when he was 17, he composed a series of organ pieces called Variations on America, Yeah, which was actually like these variations on the song My Country Tis of Thee, which even by today's standards, modern professional organists have a challenging time playing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, according to his wife, one day in early 1927, Ives came downstairs from writing in his room with tears in his eyes, saying he could compose no more and that nothing sounds right. And then, other than revising some of his previous pieces, he actually Hmm. never wrote a new piece of music until the you know, he died in wow. of a stroke in 1954. Wow. And I, I was doing some research on Wikipedia. There's actually this phenomenon with people who compose music of like, sometimes they just hit this point where it's like, I'm done. There's like, nothing left. Exhausted it. Even, wow. um, huh. not that I'm exactly comparing him, but uh, famous punk rocker Henry Rollins has stated similar things where he's like, he will still perform old songs. He will still cover other people's songs, but he has nothing left to say musically. Like he's like, huh. I'm never going to write a new song again. There's nothing left up in my head. 
it's all I tapped out. Wow. I, I, I used <laughs> all the oil. It's all gone. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 That's like Steve Martin. He did most successful stand-up comedian, and then he just said, I'm done. That's it. I have no ideas left. I had one concept. Now it's stated, and I'm done. Now he just banjos yeah. the fuck out yeah. of everything. That's interesting. Yeah, fuck. It's almost like maybe there really is like a realm of ideas, and there's like a finite <laughs> amount of like artistic merit you can pull down from yeah. the sky until you're just like reaching for nothing. Yeah. Or know. yeah, or maybe yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like they came up with such a good idea once, and it was so rare that then they realized that everything else I've ever thought up until this point is so stupid. And it took 50 years to hit this thought. I'm never going to hit it again. Look, it kind of makes sense. Like, look at, like, Jeff Mangum. He hasn't done anything <laughs> yeah. since in an aeroplane <laughs> over the sea, which was, like, what, 1998? Yeah. Yeah. He keeps performing songs off of it. But, I mean, if, if I were him, I would be afraid to write yeah. something new. The amount of expectation. Like, sorry. They need tangent. To get over it, man. They need tangent. To get over it. Come on. So, uh, this yeah. song, yeah. The Unanswered Question. The Unanswered Question. So it, I like that title. It's a great title. That's yeah, a good title. Did, did you look into this song at all, or you just listened to it? I have never heard of Chuck before, never heard of okay. this song. So, yeah, I, okay. I didn't research it. No. So, before I get too into it, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. So, it was originally paired with another song. So this song and another song he composed called Central Park in the Dark were released together as a series called Two Contemplations. Hmm. Even though the song was written in 1908, it actually was not performed until 1946. So wow. that just kind of shows you how... Damn, just stayed on paper. Yeah. Fuck. And uh, it was highly influenced by the New England writers Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. Hmm. And uh, it's believed that the title actually came from a line in an Emerson poem called The Sphinx, which was written in 1847. Hmm. The line it was taken from is, Thou art the unanswered question. Thou art the unanswered uh, this question. Is a, this is a piece scored for three groups, a string ensemble, a solo trumpet, and a woodwind quartet. Mm. And a little interesting note about when it's performed. If you're following the standards that Charles set forth, all three groups need to be playing in a way where they can't see each other, mm. if it's possible. They're, they're supposed to be kind of angled in such ways where they can't see each other and actually the strings are supposed to be completely off stage unseen by the audience really <laughs> yes you know wow. because they're all playing in kind of independent tempos of each other yeah 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 so yeah. before i get any more into it i'm curious as to what because my thoughts on this song were tainted by my research yeah i'm yeah, curious yeah. as to you who just literally listened to it what do you think of this song i i was shocked that that it's from 1905 because yeah. it sounded yeah very I, I thought it was a fantastic song i thought it was almost i'm not sure what makes music cinematic in particular but it sounded like it could have been like in like inception or in some sort of like weird psychological through like the score to something very like unsettling almost like horror but 
1905. I mean, I don't think if there were you know movie scores, they probably just sounded like just a bullshit merry-go-round <laughs> stuff. But this, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I was amazed because I I did look, or I think it said on the YouTube, on the YouTube's, it on said, the YouTube's. it said 1905. So I knew yeah. it was old, but yeah, I was I was amazed at how yeah experimental, and it was like a I just wrote it's like a tonal image. It's like a very complex tonal image you get. It, it, that's yeah, pretty amazing. Sure, especially compared to what we listened to last week. Yes, the, that's like the Mother Goose. <laughs> yeah, song. which are both good, but where that one was just a this symphonic nesting of sound. This is like almost a violent like juxtaposition of sounds so yeah it was, i thought it was great i love this song I, I thought it was really good sure yeah i i don't know why it's known for this but this song is known for being mistakenly credited as being written in 1906 or 1905 but it was actually written in 1908 oh 19 i don't know why that's yeah. like significant or people yeah talk i saw about 1905 it, too yeah, yeah. All right, so I completely agree with you. I guess I, I did listen to this song multiple times prior to reading more about it, but yeah. I didn't take notes on my thoughts. Yeah. But I feel similar to you. Yeah. So there's actually a bit of a narrative that goes along with this piece. Uh, and actually when it was nice. performed, there was a book that kind of explained a bit of a story that the audience was supposed to read prior to hearing the song. Really? Wow. So here is Ives' narrative for this piece. Throughout the piece, the strings sustain slow tonal triads that represent the silence of the druids who know, see, and hear nothing. Which kind of makes sense hmm. because they're kind of like doing this constant drone that's very independent of yeah. the other sounds. Yeah, it's slow and deliberate. Yeah, yeah it's and cute. that's why yeah, it yeah. says they know and see and hear nothing. They don't react or respond at all to the other stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, against this background, the trumpet poses a non-tonal phrase seven times, which Ives calls the perennial question of existence. So the trumpet... Damn. And this guy was a fucking insurance salesman? Yeah. Wow. So the trumpet, <laughs> seven times throughout the song, pretty much asks, like, what is the meaning of life? What is yeah. the purpose of existence? To which the woodwinds try to answer at least six times. And every time they answer, it gets increasingly erratic in their response. Mm -hmm. The woodwind's answer represents fighting answers who, after time, realizes a futility and begin to mock the question before finally disappearing, leaving the question to be asked once more before the silences are left to their undisturbed solitude. Mm. Mm. So as you probably noticed, yeah. there is kind of a call and response going on between the trumpet and the woodwinds, and the woodwinds get more and more chaotic and angry yeah. every time they respond. Yeah. And I it's kind of unhearable by the ear, but the trumpet minus the seventh time it asks the question does get progressively louder every time it asks the question. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I especially like I liked the song the first time I heard it. And then after hearing this yeah. narrative and listening to it 
I really like the song. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think... I mean, I'm not saying I have an ear for classical music, but after hearing his explanation, like I literally felt kind of like a light bulb yeah. go off over my head, like, oh, nice. This actually really makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a nice. Uh, yeah, it's incredibly beautiful. It's also very curious. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I'm also I'm not sure I've ever listened to anything that was so conflicting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the strings are like incredibly soothing, yet there's like this like anger of the woodwinds, and yeah. even the trumpet. The trumpet is like eerie as hell. Yeah, like it's like yeah. taps. <laughs> yeah, it's eerie, but even yeah. more eerie than taps. Like it's just like it's so off-putting. Yeah. Yeah, it's very disruptive. Very. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'd say this about many songs or pieces of music, but this is a very successful piece of music. Yeah. I guess yeah. This, is the, this is the way I could put it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. And yeah, the way that the strings basically maintain themselves throughout adds a layer of like almost like creepiness and uneasiness yeah. as the other horns like get louder and louder. Something about it kind of reminded me of like Eyes Wide Shut. Definitely. Have you seen that Stanley Kubrick? Where ding, he, no, yeah, the ding, exactly the whole ding. movie. He's like going throughout, yeah. and you hear the da da da, just like a kind of jarring tonal, like almost question mark on the movie. The unanswered question. Yeah, the unanswered question. Which yeah, I thought uh, only knowing the title, uh, I was like, oh, that's a great kind of. Uh, I love the title just because yeah, there's something in there that sounds extremely curious like you said and, and you never get the answer to it and you never get the answer and yet uh, you know again that that song last week it was just a sort of beautiful symphony of sound that was like moving in unison to create an something that is so complex but you could be you know just simply listen to it this is almost there's not that many layers of sound per se there's the strings doing the same thing there's the trumpet, there's the woodwinds, but it's extremely almost visceral and complex. Yeah. It is just, I don't, I haven't heard that many classical, I don't listen to classical music a lot, but I haven't heard many that just like feel like they're just like kind of violently like stick, sticking you with like some like tonal image, like, <laughs> see this, like at that, feel this. At 350 mark, when the woodwinds first get especially loud. It's almost like fucking like horror movie. It's like shot. It's like kind of startling because you're so lulled into the strings and the trumpet just being this kind of atonal, creepy. And then the yeah, by the end, it's like you're like scared almost. Yeah, honestly, like, yeah, I I did, like, like you feel like you did something wrong yeah. and you're being yeah yelled at. It's like there. I wrote. I wrote. It's kind of like there's like an easy nostalgic feeling going on with the strings that's occasionally like haunted by some like terrible repressed memory <laughs> that's what it feels like it's like i'm dreaming and having a nice dream and there's something slowly creeping into it that's like yeah gonna fucking kill me so i thought it was great in a great way i was yeah. extremely <laughs> that was gonna kill me and in <laughs> the best way possible and it's a good way to say it. it's a successful it's a very it's successful a, it's a statement there aren't that many songs you can say it's a statement of something. This yeah. is one. Yeah, this is one. That's yeah, a good way to say it. It's successful. All right. With Great that, song. 
we will move on to our second pre-Paul song. Oh, post-Paul song. Post-Paul. Our second song, which is a post-Paul song. (laughs) Sylvia by The Antlers, submitted by host of the Game Cave podcast, John Miller. This is off the 2009 album Hospice. The Antlers is an American indie rock band based in Brooklyn, New York. Their name was taken from a song by the band The Microphones. Mm. The song is called Antlers. And it originally began as a solo project of vocalist and guitarist Peter Silberman. And this, their third album, Hospice, the one featuring this song, marked the beginning of the project's shift from a solo project into a full band incarnation. Mm. They originally released Hospice independently, but sold out every copy of the album they had in stock and eventually signed with the label French Kiss Records and re-released a remastered version of the album to critical acclaim. Nice. Pitchfork labeled the, re- the re-release Best New Music as well as naming it number 37 on their list of best albums of 2009. Nice raising its power to emotionally destroy listeners. (laughs) NPR Music placed the album in the number one position for their top 10 of the early 2009 list. Nice. And it has an overall Metacritic ranking of 83 out of 100. Shit. Hospice is a concept album telling the story of a relationship between a hospice worker and a female patient suffering from terminal bone cancer. Their ensuing romance and the slow downward spiral as a result of the woman's traumas, fears, and disease. In an interview with Silberman, he explains, basically, what I would say about the album is about, I would say this for the sake of anyone who would listen to it. It's about an experience I had in a very emotionally abusive relationship and then pulling myself out of that and the effect it had on my life at the time. A hospice can be a representative of what emotional and psychological abuse can do. Let's say as a hospice worker, you're taking a lot of verbal abuse from someone who is dying because they're absolutely and rightfully so bitter about what's happening (laughs) and feeling feeling like it's completely unfair, which it most obviously is. And you're in the position of feeling like you have no right to complain about your situation because it's so much worse for them. So you think the least I can do is give them a punching bag. And that's kind of also the sentiment of this song specifically. Wow. In the linear notes of the album, it's revealed that actually every song on this album has an alternative title to it. So this song, Sylvia... Its alternative title is Sliding Curtains, Shining Children's Heads. And uh, the alternative title kind of brings some ambiguity into it as to question whether Sylvia is an adult woman or a child. Yeah. Because Shining Children's Heads makes you think of like a little kid with leukemia probably. Uh Uh-huh. But some of the other aspects of the album kind of make it seem like it's more of an adult yeah so yeah there's kind of an ambiguousness as to who sylvia is yeah uh, silberman has cited leonard michael an author who wrote a book called sylvia as an inspiration for this album and this song 
the, the novel is a fictionalized account of Michael's relationship with his ex-wife, Sylvia Blotch, focusing on the young couple in the 1960s suffering from a destructive and poisonous relationship that ended with Sylvia committing suicide. Mm. And actually, in this song specifically, there's a line, Sylvia, get your head out of the oven, which is actually a reference to the American poet and novelist Sylvia Plath, who famously committed suicide by sticking her head in the oven and turning on the gas. It's a fucked up way to go. Yeah. Uh, this song documents Sylvia's rage with her situation, her violence directed towards all of those around her, and her attempts to take her own life, while the caretaker wants to be there for her any way he can, even if that means taking the brunt of the abuse. Mm. Uh, did you watch the music video for this? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, a, it reminded me of like a old Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> yeah, because it's shot kind of in that way, and there's the classic scene where he's in the cabin and the two are fighting. So yeah, and it's kind of got that like sped up yeah. sepia yep. look to it. Yeah. Uh, so the video depicts a sepia drenched and vignetted settler era man eating by himself and being haunted by what seems to be the ghost or the memory of a woman. Mm-hmm. Both times she appears. They get into an argument quickly, and every time he goes to reach for her, she disappears, and it's kind of all juxtaposed with shots of her slowly running away in a field from a first-person perspective. I, I, I don't mean to be mean, but it was a pretty bad music video. <laughs> it, it looked just, it was it looked cheaply shot. It looked like something like a freshman film student yes. would make. Yeah, like there's class. lo-fi and then there's <laughs> just like, come on. It was like he found like the two like cool filters that he loves to like make a video. Yeah. And it was this like, makes it yellow and this makes all the borders dark. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go to work. Yeah. Uh, so uh, w- what did you think of this song? Minus the music video. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a good song. I mean, I don't know if there's as m- I mean, the subject matter has been done so many times. Just the basic, a tough relationship. But it did, I, I gotta say, I was impressed with the kind of lyrics and the kind of, you know, trying to do something different with the music, the kind of warped fuzz drone that's like mm-hmm. twisting into the chord progressions throughout. So I liked it. I like, I, you know, it was. It was almost a song that I wouldn't have liked, but but listening to it a couple times, I, I re- actually really did respect the song. I really did. Yeah, I I really liked that kind of droning, glitchy noise at the beginning of yeah. the song. Like it yeah. almost kind of sounded like feedback, but then you realize like it was actually musically going along with yeah, the it was, rest of the song. Yeah, which is really well done. I gotta say I was impressed. I really songs. liked that. I really liked how quiet and soft his vocals are during the verses. Yeah. Like, almost like inaudible. Yeah. Like, you, you almost have to strain See, to yeah, hear that's, him. Yeah, because it's almost like apocalypse. It's like a love tension song with like apocalyptic winds blowing yeah. and you almost can't. I wrote that too. How you almost can't make out the lyrics, which at first listen kind of annoyed me, but after a couple more listens, I, I actually really liked it. I thought it had a nice like effect overall, yeah. like kind Cause, of sonic. Because like especially after reading the lyrics, like he there's a line where he talks about like my voice is the only thing you hate, or something about like how my voice inspires hate in you. Yeah. So like 
the inaudible vocals really kind of lend to this narrative of like he's afraid to to talk around her. Yeah. And I also I really enjoy the the post rock s crescendo that is the refrain, the explosion yeah. of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I I like everything about this song even more so after kind of reading about it and learning the meaning. But there's just something about his vocals during the <laughs> refrain. He's like, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. You know, he's straining his voice as a way to kind of show the emotional intensity of the narrator, like yeah. screaming for Sylvia to calm down. Yeah. But there's just something about like it's Sylvia. <laughs> like I, I hate it. Yeah. I fucking hate. Like I love everything about this song, but it's like. He's really pleading, you're, you're, overly you're, pleading. You're, you're going oh, yeah. way too yeah. far out of your range, and it's just, it's distracting yeah. to me. And I gotta say, it's a, it is especially jarring on maybe first listen too when the vocals are distorted when he's singing within his range, and then you can more clearly hear him, kind of strangulating out a call for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you either, I, yeah, you either kind of feel the emotion with him or it sounds like he's trying a tad too hard i could see yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe i'm just ruined by like new metal and emo music where it's just like i just wish he was screaming instead yeah but it's just like the fact that he's <laughs> trying to be so intense while still singing it just <laughs> yeah why? It sounds kind of like a, a joke to me almost yeah. and, and i yeah. don't want to laugh at it because uh, i can't say it enough i think this is a great song and I, I think it's very successful, like on conveying this emotionally yeah. intense situation. But yeah. There's just something about his vocals during the refrain that I, I can't take seriously because of like how hard he's trying. Yeah, I could see that. I can I respect it, but yeah, I just I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it bugged me as much, but I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. I thought, yeah, overall though, yeah, I thought it was a pretty, again, to tackle. It was nine times out of ten this sort of song would probably fail in my head. But I was like, that was actually a pretty interesting kind of sonic statement that added something a little new. And it had some pretty good lines, too. Yeah, I only talk when you are sleeping. Yeah. Kind of taking on sort of metaphoric you know, ideas by the end. So I thought, yeah, it was good. It was good. The uh, the video, I wouldn't quite recommend watching the video. Don't watch the Because you're just going to think that this is like a really pretentious like theater kid first year of college with a kid. Intro to film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was impressed. No, and I will say I definitely want to like hear the rest of the album now. Like, yeah, I want to hear it within never the context of, of the narrative. I've never heard of him before. Damn it. I've always meant to check him out because actually the person who submitted the next song... I believe gave me two of the Antlers albums when we were in college together. You uh, never listened to him? I'm sorry to admit this to you, Fuck but I, I don't think I've like ever listened to him. You better not long. edit this out. Don't edit I this won't. part out, man. Sophie, I'm sorry. Don't give this guy any more But here music. we go. Giving Jared music is like throwing it in the trash. Because I, I hate music. Because <laughs> he hates music. I hate music. <laughs> So I'm sorry, Sophie. <laughs> to make it up to you, I will talk about the song you submitted. The song Mind featuring, I don't know how to say your name, Kai? K? Kai. 
K A I Kai. Kai. I knew a guy. K-A-I, so the song Kai. is Mind, featuring Kai by Jack Yu, or as Dominic believes, Skrillex and Diplo. That's yeah. Impression song I was on there. submitted by Sophie Buchheit. 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 Sophie Buchheit. Buchit. <laughs> I can always pronounce it Buchit. I'm sure Boucher. she knows that. Boucher? It's Austrian, oh, Dominic. Okay. Buchheit. <laughs> so uh, this is off the 2015 album, Skrillex and Diplo present Jack U. Jack U is an American DJ duo slash side group slash collaborative project consisting of Diplo and Skrillex. Those two. Diplo, also known as Thomas Pence, is an American DJ, record producer, songwriter, and founder of the record company Mad Decent. As well as Jack U, he is also a member of the group Major Laser, who is known for their mixing of EDM styles with those of reggae and dancehall. Interesting fact. The, as an artist, Diplo, combined with his collaborations Major Lazer and Jack U, had the most number of Shazams in 2015. Like the Shazam? The as in like when you click it to like figure out. What the fuck is this song? Yes. Wow, that's hilarious. Which I guess is I love that. becoming <laughs> like a standard for like <laughs> success. Yeah, that's a particular type of success. Yeah. I don't so know who the fuck more is. people than anybody else was wondering who the fuck, who the is, fuck this? is this <laughs> and cared enough to pull out to, their phone. Yeah. Wow. I could see that though. I could see that. Though. Yeah, his other big claim to fame is he was a major collaborator with MIA with their highly successful track Paper Planes, mm-hmm. which kind of put everybody on the map. Yeah, and Skrillex, aka Sunny Moore. He's an American electronic music producer, DJ, singer, songwriter, and founder of the record label Owlslaw. O W S L A. Everyone's got their own record label. There's how many? Especially in like the EDM world. Jesus, man. He uh he first came to fame, and this is how I. If if you want to like track back everything about Skrillex, like this is where Skrillex came into my life was through the post-hardcore emo band from first to last in the early 2000s. He put out two albums with them uh, before leaving the group in 2007 to pursue his solo career. He is uh, famously known for popularizing the bro-step genre as well as the side-shaved head hairstyle. Wait, does he he embraces bro-step as a label? As a joke. Actually, when he finally put out... (laughs) So he put out many singles, three EPs, before he actually put out an official Skrillex LP, Mm. which was called Recess, came out two years ago now. The first song off that album was called All Is Fair and the Love of Bro Step, like, (laughs) of Art and Bro Steps. It was (laughs) All Is Fair and the Art and War or whatever. Yeah. Love and bro step. All is fair in love. And All is fair in love. Yeah. All is fair in love and bro step. So I, he basically took an obscure genre called dubstep and added a very distinct sound to it, which people have been jokingly referring to as bro step. And he's uh-huh. kind of known for popularizing it. Uh, this is their first and only album. 
Skrillex and Diplo presents Jack U, and it is a dance and trap infused album featuring collaborations with a range of artists, including Kiza, Luna Georgia, or Luna George, Two Chains, Two Chains, Missy Elliott, Justin Bieber, and the upcoming producer Snails. Snails. J Biebs. J Biebs. J Biebs. The album won the Grammy Award for Best Dance Electronica Album of the 50th Grammy Awards, as well as receiving the Grammy Award for Best Dance Recording for their song, Where Are You Now, featuring Where are you now? Where are you now that I need you? I gotta hand it to Bieber. When I hear songs on the radio, they are slightly less annoying than they were like five to eight years ago. finally... He's less annoying, like, slightly. Except now I he's like, now he's like trying to like. Have you seen this shit? He's the like, Kurt Cobain. He's like trying stuff. to become Kurt Cobain <laughs> yeah, that, now. That seems like a, I, I'm which, looking at like the Onion, but which that's might real. actually kind of work because I'm sure most of the people that listen to him <laughs> don't even know who the fuck Kurt Cobain is. But you're gonna say because most people hope he kills himself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you didn't go there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except he's trying to do like this like weird Kurt Cobain with dreadlocks thing. It's cr- weird. It's very weird. So the uh, the album entered the Billboard 200 chart at number 26, selling 14,000 copies during its first week of release. And Jack U had over 9.6 million Shazams in 2015. <laughs> wow. I, I, like I said, I guess this is a thing now. Shazam's. I assume that's like a hard stat to keep up, though, because eventually, right, people are going to know who you are. I, or maybe the fans just keep Shazamming. Well, the, the thing is, is I, I know Shazam is trying to incorporate other features where, like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but, like, if you go to a movie at a movie theater and it's like shazam now to find out more information about Uh, this thing yeah so i think they're trying to like add other facets of shazam other than what is this song yeah i don't know if that played a part in the 9.6 million shazams or not could be but could be pitchforks corbin globe had this to say about jack you jack you the long-rumored EP in partnership between EDM heavyweights Diplo and Skrillex is roughly the sum of its parts. Skrillex's frantic drop-heavy monoliths paired with Diplo's frequent attempts at world music curation and a general boner for eclectic collaboration. A general boner? Boner. Wow. That's... While some of Jack U soars above reasonable expectation, it mostly registers as fun, low stakes affair with its finger off to too close to the button in general jack u is a massive sounding stuffed to the brim with snares clipped vocal samples and colossal skrillex starter set wub 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 bass drops but skrillex and diplo carve out enough space for lower key fun loving moments above all this is a maximalist part this is maximalist party music that captures a specific moment in time Jackie was nothing but a foot-stomping, outrageous EDM, the kind that basically serves as a security deposit for 75,000K <laughs> a night residency in Vegas. While Jackie doesn't exactly roll the ball forward or do much else to make listeners rethink the principal actors here, it's dumb, loud fun from two architects of the dumbest, loudest fun of the 2000s. 
That's the most like begrudging hipster hat tip I've yeah. ever read. A tip of the fedora. It's like, alright, boys. <laughs> I'm gonna tip my fedora, <laughs> but I'm gonna pop a blood vessel wow. while I do it. Wow. Yeah. So the this song, Mind, like I said, features the Canadian singer-songwriter Kai, who is from Toronto. Uh, she has collaborated with Diplo, Childish Gambino, Flume, as well as Jack Yu, and is currently slated to put out her first solo EP sometime this year. Mm. And this song is pretty much about love, like, stupid well, I it, it, it's it's about <laughs> nothing. This song is about nothing, but I I really don't think that's the point. Uh, there, there's <laughs> yeah, a music but... video for it that kind of shows the three uh, Skrillex, Diplo, and Kai traveling all over the world and performing the song, and it's very nicely shot. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, easy thing first. The lyrics are just popcorn lyrics. That's the only thing I call them. That's why I say it's about nothing. Yeah, they're popcorn lyrics. You just, you put them, you eat them. They do nothing for you. No nutritional value. You're just doing it to like metabolize while you listen to the song. The lyrics are, you know, they're just generic. Just kind of, oh, you love me, begging for me, hold me close. I want to hear your heart stuff. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you, (laughs) I'm going to show you how. But I got to say, I don't know Skrillex or Diplo particularly well. I, I will say that my impression was the lyrics could have been a little bit more thought could have gone into them. I mean, why? You, it, that was strange. I thought that was very strange. I thought that some of the beats sounded a little generic. I thought sometimes the electronic experimentation sounded a little like loopy, silly. But throughout, there were very, very good very interesting sounds that I thought had like a ton of potential in their own right, but they just kind of kept moving on too fast and then like going back to an old sound. So that was my, I like it and I, there were parts I liked and parts I didn't. But the parts that were good were some fantastic, like kind of distorted vocals with the kind of reverb and otherworldly laid on top of just clear, like a vocal soprano. I was impressed. Like, so here, here's my opinion. Uh, Kai's vocals, you know, by the books, they're well performed, but overall, they're kind of boring. Like, any parts where she's singing, both her and the music, it's forgettable. Yeah. Uh, the guy that sings, that's actually Skrillex singing. That's Sonny singing. The, yeah. I'm gonna show you how to love. Yeah, I saw that in the music from, video. From the second he sings to the instrumental that follows it. That is where I think this song shines. Yeah. Like it is yeah. gold. Like I, I've listened to this album, Jack. You I'm I I'm I'm a big Skrillex fan. I yeah. really like Skrillex. Yeah. I, I'm sorry if everyone unsubscribes from this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad thing to say or a good thing at this point, but I have no idea. I like Skrillex either. a lot. Nice. From him singing to that this is First of all, this is probably the best song off this album, if you ask me. I know a lot of people like the Where Are You Now, but I love this is my favorite song, and that part is that makes it that part is worth sitting through the forgettable stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a good I didn't know he could sing until I saw the music video. And yeah, I thought yeah, that was good. That was, yeah. Well, yeah. So like oh, sorry, what were you gonna yeah, say? Yeah, and yeah, I mean there are 
Yeah, it, I, I am a big stickler for lyrics, and I just could not get past why you would even have lyrics that were so, like, meaningless. But, yeah, to me, it, it just, yeah, it had some periodically great kind of electronic experimentation. And, then, yeah, I would agree. It was kind of at its most, like, confident as a song. It's most assertive when, yeah, he was singing for that kind of Well, melody. and he's singing, and then yeah. the instrumental after that, like that. Yeah. That noise, yeah. that pop, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the thing I will say about it is I can't help but, like, bob my head to this song. Like, it, this song is so well produced. Like, even if it's generic, horrible EDM music, you know, Skrillex and Diplo are probably, like, the kings of their trade. Yeah. They're going to put out yeah. a great-sounding song, even if you hate the song. Yeah. So it's yeah. like my head will bob to it, even if I'm trying to stop it yeah. from bobbing to it. No, I can't. At the same that. time, this song is void of any form of true emotion. <laughs> it is just plastic. It's like, we need to throw lyrics on top of this, because that's, like, it's it's yeah. it's very, like, For the formulaic, like... Yeah. A plus B equals C. Yeah. This sound plus female singer equals banger. Yeah. It, so it, yeah. It, it does kind of feel like assembly line, <laughs> but it's But it like, has some great... I got to say, it, that, that's kind of what I felt like. Like it was kind of this... It had parts that were just assembly line built that had periodic flashes of very fantastic music that I'd like to hear more of. And, like, I think especially the way they kind of, like, mess with vocals, like that away. I'm not sure what they're saying in the beginning. It's like, ah, a, and it's, like, distorted oh, yeah. and echoed. Away. Even that, yeah. I was like, that's a nice kind of, like, sonic sound. They have a, I can't deny they have a very good ear for capturing unique sonic sounds. But sometimes it feels like they're just sprinkling Whoa. great sounds on top of an assembly line. So. Well, let me take you down a slight tangential wormhole. Yeah, by all means. So if, if you're interested in this kind of phenomenon of these kind of like recognizably human vocals but that are distorted to the point of like, I don't know what they're saying, but yeah. it's obviously human vocal. Yeah. Go listen to more Skrillex music because mm. his music is full of that. Mm. But if you're really curious into that like unintelligible <laughs> stuff yeah you need to look to skrillex's biggest influence and that is aphex twin okay yeah, aphex twin music yeah. is littered yeah, with yeah. this like See, you, you yeah. can't even tell if it's like is it a computer emulating yeah. a human voice is it a human voice that's chopped up and yeah. skrillex took that and incorporated it into his bro step dubstep yeah. stuff and yeah now, and now yeah he's, yeah he's uh. lightly sprinkling it over this collaboration with diplo yeah which i guess you know you could say he's the worst thing you can say is that he's make he's taking great stuff and reducing it to something more generic but at the same time i don't know if that's fair i'm divided on this song you could also just say he's making it he's channeling it into pop sensibility which isn't necessarily a bad thing because he is he right i mean he's introducing this kind of like sonic palette to a wider audience by combining yeah. it with the you know sounds that people like to hear and i like the song overall i did and i, I yeah, yeah i totally agree and you know whatever we think they're rich and successful as yeah, fuck so who cares what rich. we say they're yeah. they're doing something right yeah i guess they because my only qualms at times were like i wish he would just take 
some of the, basically I was like the parts that kind of sound like Aphex Twin. I wanted to like hear Make more, more experimental. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. More of that and like have the lyrics like at least pretend to mean something. <laughs> but you know, that's kind of maybe that's not even a fair complaint for you know. No, I I totally feel the same way. Um, but those guys have a great ear. I will admit they have yeah, a great ear. They, they know what do they're that. doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I have a complicated relationship with Sonny. I <laughs> I've been a fan of his since like early high school and I followed wow. him through this journey of music and like wow. I've known ever since he was like in t- in his emo stage, he was like a fan of Aphex Twin and actually yeah. by he actually he recorded two albums with From First to Last and by the second one he started to try to incorporate Aphex Twin aspects into it, which yep. was a little weird. I fucking loved it. Yeah. And between Skrillex and From First to Last, there was this brief period where he was trying to go as this solo artist just named Sonny. And I think it was the best stuff he's ever done. Nice. It kind of had the abrasive crescendo dubstep feel of Skrillex yeah but with extremely surreal and abstract vocals nice so first of all I like his voice second of all yeah very deep cryptic lyrics nice on top of like abrasive dubstep music and then he went full Skrillex and he, he stopped singing his voice shows up briefly in his music I was shocked to hear him sing because I was like, wow, he can. He's he's a great sing. singer, yeah. and yeah. and he like he so sparingly puts it into his Skrillex music these days. Like anytime there's a song that he pops in, like it's instantly my like. I know that's why Sophie submitted this to me because like Sophie and I, and I, I think also uh, Amanda, the the who submitted our first song, we're all kind of like this like this little trio that are like. Bring back the sunny stuff, the middle <laughs> stuff, because we loved this like weird like in between zone. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Sunny's having a ton of fun. He's very successful being Skrillex, but if he like reeled back on the mainstream a little bit and put a little more of the experimentation, and I would be a happy camper. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, he's not playing to me. He's playing yeah. to his audience. So. Yeah. No. Hey, man. When you're in the light, you don't want great get out song of overall. Yeah, it is. I was but, surprised. Not amazing. I, I don't. Know. Yeah, I would say it had. It had it great had parts. Great to it. parts. It has great parts. It had great parts and it had okay parts. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Let, let's uh let's move on to our next song, "About You" by XXYYXX, submitted by I I think someone you might know. Who? Uh, I think her name is. Sasha Haymaker? Yeah, that's right. Sasha <laughs> Shasta Haymaker. <laughs> Sarah Hater, the the wife that's right. of Dami Jugs. She gets the honor being DJ Dami Jugs' significant little ICP boo. Shout out. Shout you're out lucky, to my little... <laughs> You're lucky that she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> and never win. She never will. Uh, probably, she never yeah, will if yeah. I have her my way. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she shout out to my little insane clown, my little insane clown, my juggalette full my life. My juggalette, that's it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is off of XXYYXX's 2012 album, 
XXYYXX. XXYYXX, a.k.a. <laughs> Marcel Everett, is an electronic musician and record producer from Orlando, Florida, who rose to prominence riding the crashed waves of the Witch House movement oh. using Illuminati-esque imagery and slowed-down R&B beats to create his sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his style has been likened to that of Calm's Casino, Zombie, Burial, James Blake, The Weeknd. He's very successful, and what makes it even more frustrating is he was just 13 years old when he started making music. Wow. He was 16 when this breakout album, XXYYXX, came really? out. Really? Yeah, wow. he, he still can't legally drink, and he's wow. a very successful electronic musician. That's fucking amazing. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of interviews with this guy. He's pretty funny. He comes out to like a lot of his shows like wearing bathrobes and eating carrots and like when he finishes his snack he'll finally start playing music he's got a great sense of humor nice but there's not a lot of information out about him which i've kind of noticed with a lot of these post witch house post vaporwave post chill wave post internet genres yeah it's like you know first of all they're all these young kids so just you know they're not like Bowie or where there's just like in a tome of history on them. Yeah. Second of all, I think it's kind of just like this focus on the music. Don't focus on me sentimentality. Yeah. So I know he's a kid. He makes beats. He's really good at it. He makes all of his music out of his bedroom using FL Studio and Ableton Live. Yeah. Uh, this song in particular samples two songs, a reverse and slowdown sample from the Zircon slash Jillian Aversa's song Just Hold On and Beyonce's End of Time. Mm-hmm. There is a music video for this song, which features <laughs> a bunch of girls smoking drugs in slow motion. And when the if you can call it a, the bass drops when when the synths get a little more intense all of a sudden they're all wearing a rubber fox mask yeah. but still just smoking Smoke's drugs <laughs> that that's pretty much it uh, yeah. what did you think of this song i mean i'm biased obviously i mean since sarah's heard it i've heard it on occasion too um and yeah yeah i liked it i mean so i'm biased i like this song a lot and before you know she picked it you know i'd heard it many times a reason i like it in particular is that there there's a lot of psychedelic music that i like but they're the slow psychedelic song can either be great or terrible and i'm thinking like animal collective they have like 10 slow songs that come to mind and half of them i'll never listen to and half of them I love. And this song, to me, is like a fantastic, slow, psychedelic song. The idea of psychedelic, kind of creepy, tripping out, slowed down, which I love. I love. So I'm biased, obviously. I All right. This beforehand. Quick, small tangent. What do you think of the Animal Collective song, Bleed, off of the Fall Be Kind EP? I could, would you consider that one of their slow songs? I would. That's a song that I don't have a quick opinion on it because I just haven't listened to it that much. Okay, I don't that's listen. Fine. Yeah, I that's don't listen fine. to it enough. Yeah, so that's not one that I think of, like off of some of the earlier albums that I just don't like. Yeah, that, that's a bit later. Yeah. That's post Merryweather. But safer. If you've ever heard the song Safer, it's like a 12-minute long song. 
that's a fucking slow that's a good that is how you do a slow psychedelic song it's got some it's 12 minutes so it's got some fast but there's hey, time to build up yeah to but it. that's how you fucking do it but yeah this song again i love because it's just kind of slow and deliberate creepy psychedelic yeah. song it's it's great it's minimal and most importantly i think it's emotive yeah like uh yeah yeah I do think it's interesting that something that sounds so air quotes bedroom core (laughs) with a a song whose lyrics are just extremely distorted beyond the point of recognition. Like, I don't know what the hell they're saying. I think it's interesting how much emotion this song can convey. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to harp on the previous song, but like, you have this song by Skrillex and Diplo with very clear lyrics, which is mean on its face value is supposed to be about love <laughs> and passion. Yeah. And then I have this song where I don't understand <laughs> the lyrics at all. Yeah. It's very minimal. There's like four aspects to it. Yeah. Yet it feels so much more emotional than yeah. the other song. Yeah. It hits you in the gut. No, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. In Again, listening to them side by side, yeah, made me <laughs> appreciate the about you even more. For that reason, exactly too. It just del- I, there's something very just so deliberate about it. Like you said, it's like simple, and just everything is there to just kind of punch you in the kind of gut. And yeah, you have no idea what they're saying. It's like vocals in reverse are just morphed out. But yeah, I, yeah, I love this song. Love this song. Yeah, Great and- sampling of vocals fantastic year yeah yeah i do he's he's got an incredible especially for someone as young as him he's got a great ear for like yeah yeah for i i think xxyyxx is a a prime example of one of these projects that somehow made it out of this internet genre bubble burst yeah he took all of the ideas and building blocks of these witch house vaporwave genres and like used them to build a strong foundation to build off of rather than yeah. do what a lot of those artists did and just kind of quickly build something as quick as they can to jump on the hype train. Yeah. He took yeah. his time and kind of slowly built a strong foundation and it paid yeah. off because now he is established and here to stay with a strong discography behind him yeah. rather than just like, Oh look, I make witch house too. Oh look, I make vaporwave too. Yep. Yeah, it's not a cookie cutter song where you no. just take a form. Yeah, exactly. He uses those out. Because, yeah, not until you actually mentioned it did I even kind of think of this song in terms of like the vaporwave, even, you know, yeah. kind of in Witch House. But yeah, he took those methods and made a kind of sonic statement unique to itself. Yeah, what's it? Yeah. Which, yeah, I just love. And yeah, when the bass drops, which is the synth laid down. Again, I love that because it's. Here I've heard this song so many times, but here listening to it really closely, that synth is almost like a kind of like retro '70s sinister, like almost like kind of campy horror movie. But it's just, I just love it. It's just a great, it's great, great ear. He's got a great ear for sampling sounds. Yeah. Good job, XXYYXX. Yeah. Fuck. I like now that I know he's young. I'm like in my head like. Feel like I'm giving like my son a pat on your the arm back. around like, your I'm shoulder. Proud of you, boy. Give him a little hair tussle, <laughs> a little noogie. <laughs> I feel invested in his life all of a sudden now. Ryan McCart, I'm proud of you, son. Yeah, proud of you, son. Proud of you, boy. Just out of nowhere, just <laughs> proud of you, son. My wife and I are proud of you, boy. <laughs> boy, there you go. 
And uh, with that, we can move on to our final track. I don't know how to say this. She, he said, slash she, he said. It's like parentheses, S, Z said. said, Z said. He, he said, she said, she said, she said, he said, he said. The gender neutral Z. The gender neutral Z. Z. One genre said to another genre <laughs> by Titus Andronicus. This song was submitted by my close friend Eric Johnston. This dude may listen to a nine-minute song. Yeah. Shit. I love this song, but fuck, nine-minute song. Jeez. You overestimated my attention span. In Eric's defense, he said that he couldn't pick one song off this album. <laughs> so he gave no, me fair. three songs. Okay, and you picked the He told me to song. pick. Damn. I listened to all three of them. This was my favorite of the three. No, I, this was a good song. This was a good song. Dominic, you can go to hell. But at first, I was just like, fucking nine what? minutes. You guys are killing me. That's nine minutes. Ain't no one got time for that. You know how many Paul McCartney songs I could have listened to in this amount of time? You could have listened to all of his audio emojis (laughs) a thousand times. A thousand times. Uh, This is off the Titus Andronicus' 2015 album, The Most Lamentable Tragedy. Titus Andronicus is an American punk slash indie rock band from Glen Rock, New Jersey. The group takes its name from the Shakespeare play Titus Andronicus, a play which is thought to be Shakespeare's first tragedy that he ever wrote. Hmm. It is thought to be an attempt on Shakespeare's part to emulate the violent and bloody revenge plays of his contemporaries. The play is set during the latter days of the Roman Empire and tells the fictional story of Titus, a general in the Roman army, who is engaged in a cycle of revenge with Tamara, Queen of the Goths. It is Shakespeare's bloodiest and most violent work, and traditionally was one of his least respected plays of all time. Yeah, I actually didn't re- even like remember this being a Shakespeare play until yeah. I googled it. Yeah. I I plan on posting this, but the band has a pretty great logo. Uh, Eric and I talked about this. It, it's very hammy. I I could only hope it is humorous, and then they're not being serious. <laughs> uh, I'll show it to you right now, Dominic. So, their band is Titus Andronicus. So yeah. think TNA. The band logo is an upside-down cross <laughs> with an anarchy symbol next to wow. it. And why the not, horizontal man. bar nice. on the upside-down cross completes the A in the anarchy symbol. They had a chance, and they had to take it. Yeah. Nice. I, like I said, it, it's borderline cringeworthy, but it's also borderline great. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. No, I love it, man. Why the fuck not? So <laughs> the, the Most Lamentable Tragedy is a 29-track, 93-minute-long rock opera. Mm. It is split into five different acts that follow a character only known as Our Hero, a man who is visited by his doppelganger, and goes through considerable life experiences and dream sequences, all acting as a metaphor for manic depression. Hmm. The band's singer, lyricist, and guitarist, Patrick Stickles, described the record as a, quote, complicated metaphor about manic depression, melding elements of philosophy, psychology, and science fiction through the plight of one troubled protagonist's inner demons. Basically, we meet a guy, a fella, and he's very depressed. Sad guy. He doesn't have much hope about his life. But that all changes when he meets his mysterious, mysterious, shadowy doppelganger who insists he is part of something special. An ancient race of human beings. 
This superhuman race has a curse upon it. And the reason that they're able to do all these great things is the same reason that they ultimately are doomed to destroy themselves. They're a self-destructive race that is dispersed amongst a regular population. And a love interest complicates things even more, forcing the protagonist to wonder, is he going to become a human or live his true destiny? Wow. The band has also disclosed a film element to the album and has thus far released a 15-minute music video covering the complete act two of the album. And as of right now, uh, they're set to release an, a, a video for every song of the album and make nice. a full movie about this. Nice. Uh, Stereo Gum, American Songwriter, Consequences of Sound, and Spin Magazine all placed this album on their 50 best albums of 2015 list. Yeah, I saw this on a lot of top 17, lists. 17, yeah. 24, 9, and 32, respectively. Nice. Yeah, you saw, you've, nice. So you've heard about it a little bit? Yeah, I know. I have a lot of friends that like Titus Andronicus. I never, I've probably heard them, but not knowingly, but sure. I saw this album on a lot of top yeah. lists. Yeah. Tiny Mixtapes gave it a perfect 10 out of 10, saying the most lamentable tragedy feels like the Titus Andronicus record par excellence. It pushes and shoves at the countries of what such or at the boundaries of what such a record could or should conceivably sound like. Hmm. Pitchfork, who gave it an 8.1 out of 10, noted a 29 track, 93 minute long rock opera that immediately restored their claims to outside ambition as only a 29 track, 93 minute long <laughs> rock opera might. This song, she said, he said, the, the band has verified actually through annotations on Song Genius. So they've actually gone on lyricgenius.com and wow. verified the annotations to this song. Wow. So they've confirmed that this song is a recounting of our hero's one night stand with a girl who is later named Sayoban. And at first, he does not care about her. However, after some misunderstandings, he reveals a desire to open up to her about his depression and condition, which he refers to as the something. The something. So throughout the song, the word yeah. something's brought up a lot, and it's this kind of depression, also specialness about him. But he's also worried that revealing this to her would frighten her. And the general or the gender-neutral pronouns of the title are kind of consistent with the allegorical format of the story, that these though these characters might be identified here as a man and there as a woman, they could easily be switched around. Mm -hmm. This conversation could be between two women, two men, or any sort of trans combination of both. Mm. It's basically just saying that it's you need to focus on the story and the plight of the characters. The genders are meaningless, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh, so... You kind of briefly said that you like the song. What, what did you think of this track? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, it. The nine minutes paid off. I was skeptical at first when I saw it, nine minutes. You're quite safe, skeptical, Eric. but they paid off because I mean, this is a fantastic example of how to not fall into one genre. I thought this song was like a fantastic example of how to like play with different genres, but just be its own kind of musical statement. Because yeah, I mean, it's all. At times, it almost sounds like Black Sabbath, like just like old, like, like you know, the riffs of well, the drum and the bass line and then like power punk. And then it yeah, even stripped down the main like 
through line melody that like that that's like pure black sabbath classic rock yeah 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 absolutely yeah and that runs throughout the whole song even in the softer parts of the song yeah yeah even in the softer i don't know is power punk a genre i don't know it could be it's like because it it has a sort of punk feeling to it but you know it's just kind of driving aggressive angry and uh, most punk songs i know are like two minutes long this is like nine minutes of yeah, very yeah, impressive. So I th- and again, the vocals were great. I have no idea what he sounds like on other songs, but it genuinely sounded like he just wanted to fuck something when he was saying, "I just want to fuck something." <laughs> Which again, that's a great way to have punk aesthetic, you know, meet the kind of the form and content. I I was just corrected. the The girl's name is pronounced. Sh- Siobhan? Siobhan. Siobhan? Siobhan. 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 I'm American. Say <laughs> Shevin. It's an <laughs> Irish name, I guess. <laughs> so okay. I, I apologize to all of our Irish listeners. <laughs> Siobhan. No, the, the, this song, it, it's crazy and it's yeah. great. I, I think uh, some people might be put off by its length, but I love it. And I don't feel like... It was unnecessarily long. I think yeah, no, it they had earned it yeah. with this. Yeah, I like that uh, it's not all screaming and it's not all clean vocals. Like his ability to kind of float between the two. Yeah, really kind yeah. of add to the mania of the of the song in general. Yeah, and I think a band like this, at least based off of this one song, proves that punk isn't dead. Yeah, you know, like. It still has the ability to change and become something new while still sticking to its roots. Now, yeah, I know there's probably punk purists out there that think like, "Oh, this isn't punk. This isn't punk at all. Punk needs to be two minutes." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that saying like, "If you're not growing, you're dying." Like, yeah. they're taking uh, post-punk. Well, this isn't really. I think this is still punk. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally would, still yeah. think it is. Yeah. And it's a very, very good use of like what I understand punk to be. And I thought especially like in the way that it, I doubt at all this is what the song they set out to do, but in a way it almost like uh, contextualizes punk in a way that I've never seen a punk song like contextualize itself because it's crazy angry driving like i just want to fuck something and then there's like that meditation and then it gets really close and then it it re-emerges like i just need to beat something Ah!" and like it's almost like the essence of punk but it's like manic and like bad but in a great way i don't know i I thought the end that was a sort of like almost like meta (laughs) And, and i love how there's like this like Wire of like singing in the background, like talking to himself again. I love that. Talking yeah, I love again. that. And then, yeah. and then like when that. it gets all quiet and there's like, there's the, like an angelic choir. Yeah, like yeah. I, it was great. Yeah, and I almost great. like like I said like that that Black Sabbath like. I love how throughout the whole song, it's almost like a variation on a theme. Like yeah. It's almost like a punk rock Steve Reich in a way. Yeah. Where it's yeah, like kind of like yeah. this like reinterpretation of a simple idea in many different facets throughout the song. And I, you know, 
Like yeah. I said, I'm a sucker for post rock. I love how quiet it gets at the end and explodes. Yeah. No, no, it was yeah. great. A plus yeah. would listen again. Yeah, definitely. Is what I can yeah, say. Yeah, like, yeah. Generally. Yeah, in real, I mean, I haven't heard a punk song that like interested me. I haven't heard it. most punk songs I hear like I like as I'm hearing them and then I just move on. But this is like one of the few standout punk songs I've heard that like I'll remember and that I would go listen to again. Well, as well as continuing to check out more Titus Andronicus, I would also recommend checking out Fucked Up. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they... I won't say they're... Sounds inappropriate, Jared. Sorry. F'd up. (laughs) Thank you. There's... I would say... They are similar to this band in that they are playing around with the idea of what punk is and can be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what would you say your favorite of the five is? Hard. Will be. Can be. I mean, the song that I've heard the most and I probably will listen to again the most is about you. But I got to say, I was the most struck with the unanswered question. That was a... Because I, I don't listen to a lot of classical music, and that was a, an, 1908, especially. I was just, yeah, very absorbed in that complex tonal image. I was very impressed by that. That's like a one-in-a-million kind of song. Yeah, I, it's definitely like a toss-up between the unanswered question and he said, she said for me. Yeah. Like, I tr- it's I don't like know if I can like, pick oranges. You got yeah. to though. You got to. It's okay. the rule. I'm going to go <laughs> with. I think I'm also going to agree with you. Go with the unanswered question. It's fucking I'm gonna trippy have to, song, it's, dude. That's a trippy. It's such a trippy song, song yeah. and especially after like learning about it. Yeah, no kidding. That's a, it really makes me want to check out more of Charles Ives' music and read his book <laughs> about life insurance. <laughs> I'm going to go practices. fucking check that out. <laughs> That kind of wraps things up. Uh, Please, if you enjoyed this listener-generated playlist, continue to send us more tracks. I believe we already have two tracks going towards Volume 3. Nice. So if three of you want to send in more, we can do this again. Send in some wings. Come on. Yeah, send in some wings for Dami. (laughs) Uh, I'll take two wings. I'll take two wing tracks. two, Two wings. If you'd like another kind of vaporwave, David Bowie kind of episode, which is like a curated playlist towards a genre idea, you can send in ideas about that. Or if you make music yourself and would like us to talk about your music, you can send that in. Also, send that to us on Facebook at facebook.com shuffle, on Twitter at shufflepodcast, on Tumblr, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com, or email us shufflecastpod at gmail.com. Other than that, uh, thank you for listening. And do you have any word, final words for our listeners? No. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>